and welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. On this series, we explore the opportunities and challenges facing the higher education business office. I'm Liz Clark, Vice President for Policy and Research at Nakubo. And today, I'm delighted to welcome Susan Fitzgerald, Associate Managing Director, Global Higher Education and Nonprofits at Moody's Investors Service. Welcome, Susan. Thanks, Liz. I'm looking forward to a really good conversation. We certainly have a lot to talk about today. Uh, Susan is joining us to talk about managing in an uncertain economic climate. Several months ago, Nakubo released the top five issues for 2022 uh, that were on the minds of our Nakubo business officers. And because uh, the economy doesn't change that quickly, the uh, higher education environment doesn't change that quickly, we are continuing to explore these five issues in a series of podcasts for Nakubo. And today's podcast will focus on that uncertain economic climate. The economy these days doesn't seem to make much sense. And the on the ground impact is a lot of uncertainty. Not too long ago, we were talking about inflation as transitory. Then we started talking about an interest rate policy that would create a soft landing. Some economists are talking about the possibility of a recession. And at the same time, the labor market remains strong. For college administrators, all of this leads to budget and planning questions related to enrollment, the higher education workforce, supply chain concerns, and rising costs. Moody's recently released its outlook for 2023, which examines the latest trends. And Susan, we are really curious to hear more about what you are seeing uh, about the recent outlook and the latest trends in how colleges are responding to this uncertainty. Susan, please do tell us more. Sure thing. So we did, um, we did revise our outlook for calendar year 2023. So the kind of last half of fiscal 23, first half of fiscal 24 for most institutions, we revised the outlook to to negative. And that was really driven by a number of factors, which I don't think will be a surprise to your listeners and which you, you somewhat adeptly already summarized. But first, as we're looking at revenue, while there is some rebound in revenue from what we have seen in recent years, it's still well below inflation. So net tuition revenue, um, student auxiliary revenue, rebounding uh, again from the pandemic times, but very muted growth. Um, some institutions still seeing enrollment losses, um, continued uptick in tuition discounting as students are focused on affordability. So, so pretty low growth on the the student charge side. We are seeing for public universities, state funding actually being relatively strong in the grand scheme of things, but again, hard to match inflation. Um, And then some positive news on obviously the endowment spending side, um, given just the way endowment spending policies work for this fiscal year. Uh, but as we're looking at the um, the stock market uncertainty, some question about whether or not that will continue forward, and that could have some impact on on both endowment spending and and philanthropy as we're heading into fiscal 2024. So so muted revenue growth in aggregate, and then you touched on it, Liz. 
inflation, right? So happy just came out. It was lower than the headline inflation numbers, but, but still at over 5%, hard, hard to grow that. And so I think uh, many institutions are feeling a budget squeeze or having to adjust to that. It's pretty unusual to see happy below, uh, CPI. So th- these are really unique and interesting and, and to some extent confounding times. Uh, one area that I saw Moody's dig into uh, a bit in the outlook was workforce issues and staffing. And that was actually one of the other major areas of concern, uh, supporting and maintaining a workforce that we're going to be exploring in a future podcast as a part of this series. But I, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about the concerns that were raised in that brief on workforce and employment-related issues. Absolutely. So, you know, I think higher ed is, is not, again, unique in this, but Finding, um, finding labor is challenging and particularly in certain areas. Think about technology, for example. And then the cost of labor really rising. So, um, we're paying a lot of attention, for example, to union contracts because that could be a multi-year impact and, and some of those are being negotiated in this highly inflationary time. So it's a, it's a question both of, um, can you find the labor you need in order to serve your students and to keep your institution functioning effectively and at what cost? There are uh, certainly any number of challenges. We know many different industries and sectors are facing similar questions, uh, but the sheer attention to this issue over the past year in higher education uh, has been remarkable. We we hear these concerns raised at every gathering, at every meeting, uh, and in every conversation that we have. Let's talk about facilities, a major area of spending for colleges and universities. Uh, not too long ago, we did a study with EY Parthenon looking at data related to higher education debt debt capacity and issuance considerations. And that study found that debt had been increasing at a rate of 4% a year from 2011 to 2019. And that rate was exceeding the growth of enrollment, the revenue marker for institutions. Uh, Are you continuing to see this trend at Moody's? And how have the recent changes in interest rates moderated uh, this appetite for debt? Uh, When we think about debt, you can compare it to a number of things, and you're you're right, it's it's probably grown at a faster pace than enrollment. But we look at debt to revenue, we look at debt to cash, we look at debt to um, cash flow, right, your ability to service debt. And as we look at both public and private institutions, those those data elements have actually been relatively stable. So from our perspective, the sector really wasn't becoming more leveraged. It was kind of holding its own in terms of maintaining, for the most part, relatively manageable debt levels, again, sector-wide, right? It comes down to individual institutions, but sector-wide manageable debt levels. What we did see with the pandemic is some institutions, those that had the wherewithal to do so, really going out with some fairly large debt issuances, both to bolster liquidity and also to pre-fund capital, because I think there was some sense already then that interest rates might be coming off of historic lows. So we did see a bump up really in, in debt in 2021 for some, not for all. And now we're seeing moderation again. 
So um, it, it's interesting. Interest rates pace, uh, play some role in this, but I think what's also driving it is uh, the cost of the capital projects themselves. Just the escalation of capital costs is is making some institutions at this point rethink their their capital plans. So that's a great reminder that debt is not just about debt, but it's about strategic growth and creating new revenue opportunities and that there's more to a story than just looking at debt as debt. But these higher interest rates really do add real costs for colleges. And do you think it's changed some of the conversations on campuses from whether or not a project can be undertaken to whether or not a project should be undertaken? That was a a real question of focus in the EY Parthenon study. Yeah, absolutely. I think interest rates, again, are part of it, right? It adds real costs. It's an interest cost that's going to be paid for multi-generations of college students. So that cost of capital is is one thing. But I think institutions are also taking a more fundamental step back. Um, you know, we put this of the future um, nomenclature on top of everything, workplace of the future, et cetera. But I think colleges are also thinking about what the campus of the future will look like, um, you know, given the move to hybrid work, given some of the enrollment challenges, the way students are studying. So I think many institutions are becoming much more strategic in saying, do we need to build new? If we do, how fungible can we make that space? How can we value engineer our projects? What is a, a must have versus a want to have? And then, um, you know, what, what does this mean overall for our campus footprint? And, and indeed, we actually su- see some institutions kind of right-sizing, downsizing their campus because of some of the unsustainability. They know enrollment is not going to get back to where it was. So they're not really looking to build new buildings, take on new debt. They're looking to reduce the size of their infrastructure and then maybe improve what remains in order to stay competitive. So interest rates are part of the story, but absolutely not the whole story, as as I think the sector is really more strategically examining what a campus what a campus should be. I think that's so true and a, and a great reminder that even though in some ways we're talking about things getting back to normal, uh, it, we are actually talking about getting back to nimble uh, with all the new questions that are out there. On, on the one hand, there's pent-up demand after the pandemic. On the other hand, are students wanting higher education delivery in a different manner or a different way? Are institutions interested in looking at it in a different way or different manner. And then now also, as as you highlighted before, as they're thinking about the investments that they're going to make in debt and new capital projects, we've, we're overlaying workforce issues, not just for campuses themselves, but the supply chain issues that come with new capital projects and the workforce challenges that come with finding the folks to help with the bricks and mortar building of projects. So lot, lots of factors coming into play here. So I mentioned many institutions going out and pre-funding capital. Um, there's another portion of the sector that's really been on a pretty severe capital diet, not just during the pandemic, but even before the pandemic, because they were already feeling a budget squeeze. And irrespective of 
historically low interest rates, really finding it challenging to invest in their physical facilities. So for a portion of the sector, we did see a rising age of plant. That's one of the metrics we look at. Um, A portion of the sector really not able to fund capital at the level of depreciation, which is what drives that rising age of plants. So again, just a a broad diversity across the sector. and, And the ones that are at most risk are maybe those that haven't been investing and now don't really have the resources to invest, and it's it's becoming more costly to do so. So it is a dynamic environment. Susan, that's something we're seeing across the board with challenges at Nakubo, that it's very hard to talk about higher education as one sector because we're seeing such vast differences between uh, either public and private institutions or institutions by region or geographic location. Uh, and the experiences of small regional colleges or small private colleges are, are not the same as those that we're seeing with the large comprehensive research universities with um, much more revenue diversity. And and all of this reminds me that in the outlook, you spend some time talking about how some of the pandemic relief aid may have provided some relief from challenges that were there before the pandemic. And now we're seeing them fresh and anew. And, and uh, I think that's really important for institutions to consider that they need to roll their sleeves back up on some of those challenges that that may be even deeper now once we uh, move past 2022 and, and deeper into 2023. You, you talked about revenue growth, revenue stability in uh, an uncertain time, and some of the challenges that institutions may see with endowment returns or with philanthropic giving. Uh, where do you see some opportunities for institutions to find some stability or opportunity in this challenging environment? That's a really good question. It's hard to achieve revenue growth right now across the sector. And for some institutions, it's really hard to cut expenses where we're seeing some institutions saying, you know, we've, we've cut expenses now for multiple years. We just really can't cut anymore. But where we are seeing some more creativity is Again, really doing a more fundamental look at programs and both for program rationalization, which can come with some cost savings, but also programs in terms of meeting the market where the market is, right? So you talked about the changing nature of the workforce, employers demanding new skills or different forms of skills. Students may be wanting different types of programs, you know, shorter credentials. So some creativity around thinking about what programs do we offer, should we offer, and can we offer them in different ways to meet the market? And since that's really the core of what higher education is, right, it's the programs, I think that's where the room is for creativity and change for institutions it's really hard when you're doing it in a reactive mode, if you're you're doing it to balance a budget. But if you're proactively meeting the market within the context of the mission, I think there's more more prospect for success. 
Susan, I think there's a lot of employers out there cheering those remarks. I think that's uh, exactly a challenge that they're looking to see solved. And I think we do have a lot of creative ideas and, and new thoughts about delivery, particularly after the pandemic experience that colleges and universities have. There's a lot of room for creativity here, and, and we do see some institutions looking to to meet those expectations and different goals that employers are bringing to the table. So we've talked a lot about challenges and pivoting to where the economy is at the moment, but what are some signs of optimism out there? Where are there some strengths that colleges and universities might be able to lean into? Sure. And I I think we just touched on that, right? Through adaptability. So um, obviously with a negative outlook, it's easy to focus on the negative, but I think it's it's really important to step back and and remember that the higher education sector overall has proven itself to be truly adaptable over time. The the experience today is nothing like the experience it was 30 years ago when I was going to college and certainly if you go further back. So that doesn't mean that every single institution is going to survive or survive in its current incarnation but it means that the sector, the, the concept of providing higher education really is going to continue to exist. It's such a fundamental social good um, and individual good. There's still, if you think about that return on investment, individuals still get, if they complete, that's a big if, if they complete, they still get a very strong return on investment in terms of earnings and employability. And society as a whole benefits from an an educated workforce. That's what they're hungry for. And that's, I think, why we're seeing um, really a rebound in state support, state funding. That's a bright spot for now. Um, That could change if we head into a recession. And what's really a supportive federal environment now. So um, society and students really, I think, despite some of the rhetoric you see, Many still see the fundamental underlying value of higher education, and it's just a question of which institutions are going to to best be able to adapt to meet the needs of the future. Susan, I think the public and politicians are demanding that. And colleges and universities for centuries have delivered on their mission to educate, to conduct research, and to serve. And I am delighted to have you here today as part of a Nakubo podcast and to help add fuel and fodder to uh, the thinking that our business officers need to bring to their planning as they conduct their work on the business of higher education. Thank you so much. Uh, Susan, Is there, do you have any final thoughts that you might like to share here? Thank you, Liz, for, for having me. And, and again, I, I really just look forward to seeing how the sector continue change, to change as we head into, into 23 and, and beyond. Obviously, um, during the pandemic, the, the sector reacted more quickly and more creatively than I think anyone thought possible. So looking ahead, um, expect the same. One of the things we're focused on really is governance of higher education. Um, that's a whole nother podcast one could get into, but, uh, but governance and management will, will really prove decisive in terms of those institutions which, which thrive and those that struggle. 
Well, we have a new Congress coming in uh, in January of 2023 and uh, newly divided Capitol Hill with a Republican-led House and a Democratic-led Senate that is surely going to bring new questions that touch on those issues and those concerns. So you are starting our year off uh, helping us get wheels turning about how to strategize around uh, those very questions. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks again.